Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. The Knicks fall in their third preseason game, 109 to 100 to the Indiana Pacers. Some downsides, Alex, but also some bright spots. Yeah, Julius Randle continued his great play, which is definitely a bright spot. But the bench faltered a little bit. Emmanuel quickly with some struggles. And all in all, a little defensive collapse down the stretch. We'll talk about all that more and more next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. He's Anthony for three. Our Locked On Knicks in today's episode of Locked On Knicks is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. And, well, uh, we want to thank you for making Locks on Knicks your first listen today and every day. We are now available on all platforms, and that includes you. You really should know this at this point. But in case you're just finding us for some reason, we are on YouTube. So don't just listen to us. Go check out our smiling faces. Throw us a subscription. And you know you can find there, Alex? The smiling face of one Ian Begley, only the number one Knicks reporter in the world. Uh, maybe flat out, which is one of the best NBA reporters in the world. I'd certainly make that argument. Uh, he was on the podcast yesterday, so check that out in audio. Check it out a second time in YouTube. You know, a great TV show like like a little a Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. You say, yeah, I just got to go back and rewatch that. Why not? Why not? Uh, but who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. Alex, the Knicks suffer an embarrassing Fourth quarter collapse against the Indiana Pacers as Indiana outscored the Knicks 25 to 6 down the stretch, uh, mostly led by, as you phrased it, I think aptly, uh, guys who may or may not make the rotation for a team that could finish with one of the three or four worst records in the NBA. A disastrous uh, fourth quarter for Emmanuel. Quickly, I was surprised Obi Toppin didn't get a little bit more involved, but there's also some positives to come out of this game. Yeah, and, you know, it's preseason, so we'll talk about the collapse and what led to it in a minute, but, like, who cares? It's preseason. Plus, the Knicks, like, in our wildest dreams, we expect maybe, like, 40-something wins this year, like, 42, 43, whatever. Like, if that's the case, they're going to lose almost 50% of their games. So get ready for for them to not go undefeated all the time and sometimes lose some stinkers down the stretch because that's just the talent level of the Knicks right now. Um, but anyway, Julius Randle, I thought had a great game. I mean, I think that's worth highlighting first, like 13 points, eight boards, five assists, five of 10 shooting three of six from deep. I mean, there were so many things to be encouraged by in this game from him and continue to be encouraged by, I guess I should say, because it's, it's been, you know, we're now three preseason preseason games in, and I feel like it's becoming a trend. Uh, you know, this sort of reminds me in some way of when, he came out super duper hot in the 2021 preseason. Uh, and it made you think like, all right, but like, is this for real? Like he was so bad last year in 2019, 20, like, 
it, it could he actually be turning a corner? I don't know. Like we were ready to ship him out for a bag of chips that off season and just clear the way for Obi. Similar to this off season where we were ready to ship him out for a bag of chips and clear the way for Obi. And <laughs> don't worry, it'll happen again in 2024. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine, you know, two off seasons from now. But as of right now, but it, he's he's looking good. Like I like that he's being less selfish with the ball like he finished with five assists to two turnovers those were his first turnovers of preseason to this point i believe his total is 13 uh, or his ratio is 13 to two assist to turnover thus far which is what you want to see like he's making way faster decisions i thought that his two-man game with evan fournier was much improved in this game like it it was more the version that it should be versus the version that they started last year with which was essentially just turning Fournier into Bullock it was like in this case they were like okay we'll get Julius the ball in vicinity to Fournier and then we'll get Fournier the ball to to handle and let Julius set the screens and you know kind of pop or roll or whatever you want him to do but it just makes so much more sense that way and it created early on some really nice looks for Fournier some really nice looks for Julius and he did some similar stuff for RJ Barrett too, like, you know, kind of running up and and doing like a quick handoff for RJ and setting a screen for him. I mean, Julius, even if he sets a, a screen at 70% capacity is still a really great screen setter and always has been. So, you know, he'll catch RJ's man there. And then that created a really nice lane for RJ at one point. Like RJ himself had a really good game too, again, with 21 points, struggled a little bit shooting from three, but uh, did really well in all other facets of the game. So, like, I think Julius is doing a really good job of finding a way to sort of reinvent himself. He he mentioned after the game, I think, that he's been wa- – he watched a lot of Euro basketball, you know, in the offseason to try to prepare for this season. And I feel like that shows. I think he's playing a very European style of basketball right now where he's he's just trying to facilitate. He's taking what's given to him by the defense. And I should note, too, d- he – shot great on uh on like pull up or not pull up like like catch and shoot threes yeah. in this game uh which maybe has the something to do with the fact that the arena in Indy looked a lot like a 20 to 21 arena which it was like mostly empty um but we'll see if that carries over i mean i i think that's a positive development as well so i i really loved what i saw from him again Decisions are going to be really hard to make because Obi had, I thought, a good game in, in this one as well, despite not shooting from three particularly well. But they're not; those two are not making things easy on Tibbs or even on us as neutral observers to choose. Like, okay, like what direction are you going to go to start this season? Yeah, look, I, I can't take anything away from Julius. I mean, this is this is quite literally what I was saying all off season, all I've ever wanted out of him which is to get the ball out of his hands quickly, to not slow down the offense, to not isolate for the sake of isolating, to, for the most part, he took he took one of these in this game, but to not take long contested twos pretty much ever, um, to set screens, to roll hard, and basically to leverage his gravity as a scorer into being a creative playmaker. And and to me, and I think this you're, you're referencing this play, this, this is the one play that encapsulated it all. Uh, Evan got the ball on the left wing. Julius comes up, sets a screen, short roll. Immediately, two defenders converge because he, despite last season, there's still that, that lingering respect from the 2021 season saying, hey, this is like the 
or if, if not the best big, one of the best bigs in the NBA, when he's 10 to 12 feet from the basket, you give him a wide open shot at the elbow, he's going to hit it. Two defenders converge. He, he rises up as if he's going to shoot and then flips into like a little slip pass to Mitch for a wide open dunk. I, I, I've said it before. There just aren't a lot of human beings on planet Earth at 6'8 or 6'9 and 250 pounds, 260 pounds that can make that pass. Julius can do it consistently. And that is a massive, massive weapon for this Knicks team. It's just that in the past, he, he, he really chose not to play that way and chose not to be a screener and saw himself as more as, than a screen and roll big man when he should be seeing himself as the ultimate screen and roll big man. And I, I just thought, again, it wasn't, to, to your point, you were getting at this too, it wasn't always the complicated plays. It was just really simple things, like, like just being spaced out beyond the arc instead of at the elbow and being able to catch and shoot for open threes. Um, he had this little drive where I don't even think he really like made any particularly good move. But again, he's big and he's athletic, so he draws attention. And he got two defenders and he just kicked it to Jalen Brunson for three. He had another one that, that almost stunned me because last year in transition, I mean, it was total like bull in a china shop act. Like it was head down the whole way. It was I'm going to burrow my way through three defenders and I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get fouled or, or take a pull up jumper. Instead, the whole time he had the ball in transition, he was like, all right, where's Jalen Brunson? Where's Jalen Brunson? That's my point guard. I'm going to get him the ball. Um, and then an, an one final one that I really liked from him, um, he was backing down Jalen Smith and instead of rushing it or giving up on the play or taking a longer shot, he got good paint position. And then he took his, his signature, like double pump fadeaway mid-range jumper. But where I had issues with that last year is it was from 17 to 19 feet. That was from five to seven feet. If he can consistently get to that spot and take that shot, I have zero issue with it. And I think he'll hit it at a high rate. So he was he was the clear cut MVP of this game for me, Alex. Um, let, let's get into some of the some of the bummer stuff as well. But before I do that, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about prize picks? I suppose I could tell everybody about prize picks real quick. And today's episode is brought to you by prize picks, of course. And how does prize picks work? I mean, I guess would be the the imperative thing. I mean, if you love playing fantasy sports and you want to potentially make money doing it, it's the best possible way to do it. You pick two to five players, and if they go and score more or less than their prize picks projection, then you win money if you get that choice right. So you basically get over-unders for a bunch of different players in all different sports and get to choose what you think. So you could be like, I think RJ Barrett is going to score over 20 and a half points today. And I also think Zach Wilson is going to throw for over 210 and a half yards or something like that, if that happens to be the line. And if both those things happen, then you win money. It's pretty simple. And you don't compete against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, including the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and somehow more than even that. So no matter what you're a fan of, you can find some things to uh, to place a, an entry on in prize picks. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. And it really is that easy. It's safe and fast withdrawals, and it's currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Oh, Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100 with promo code locked on. 
If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. And don't forget to enter the promo code locked on to sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. All right, Gavin, we're back to talk about the Knicks and the Pacers. And now we got to get to the bummer stuff, the stuff that's not the most fun to talk about, but. The Knicks did lose this game, and it was, like, pretty ugly down the stretch. I mean, it was so funny. Like, I I was watching the end of the game on a little bit of a delay, and then, like, I already knew the result. Like, I spoiled it for myself, and I, I kept watching, and I'm like, when is the other shoe going to drop? Like, when are they going to lose this game by, like, almost 10 points? As it turned out, the answer was, like, the final, like, three minutes or so. Like, it really – they were kind of just hanging on, like – doing just enough to stay neck and neck with the Pacers. And then all of a sudden the Pacers just kind of lit it up down the last few minutes of the game. I thought that it was basically, they got torched by uh, Andrew Nemhard and Goga Bitas and, and like that'll happen, I guess, you know, it's, we see it happen in the Knicks often where guys that you don't expect to necessarily go off, go off. And it happens to every team, you know, and it's still preseason. Like, I don't know that Goga and, and Nemhard are going to even really be like rotation players for the Pacers this year. They just happen to have a really nice little stretch there. Like Goga got hot from three, which definitely threw the Knicks for a loop. And then, you know, Nemhard kind of off those pick and roll actions or pick and pop actions was getting open in the mid range thanks to the Knicks drop coverage. And, you know, that allowed him to get some shots going. And, and that just sort of sunk the Knicks. There's a big Matherin dunk too, which, Benedict Matherin looks really good and I feel really good about having been uh, excited about him in the draft this year, but all in all, I don't know. I'm, I'm not too worried about what happened with the Knicks there. Would I prefer that they not get completely torched like that uh, down the stretch? Sure. But I mean, I think it was just a case of uh, their defense got exposed a little bit, so they are going to have to tighten some things up, but Really, I thought the biggest issue was just they couldn't make a shot on the offensive end down the stretch. Like, if they could have just held serve a little bit, they might have been okay. But, like, really, quickly was super cold and didn't play well, which we could talk about maybe in the last segment. And, you know, other than that, it was just hard for that bench unit to really generate much offense down the stretch. And Goga played pretty good on that end, too. So, I guess that was the whole big issue. I thought it was more about the offense than the defense, but the defense got exposed a little bit. All in all, just kind of a really ugly end to the game. Yeah, I mean, in, in some ways it was clear that they were missing Derrick Rose, who who had the night off and is just a great organizer in those moments. And again, if the Knicks' goal, as, as it's claimed, is to win games this year, I mean, I think he can make a substantial difference on nights where IQ just doesn't have it. But where my disappointment came in is, like, we, we saw down the stretch of last season, like, how IQ and Obi couldn't, lead a team and, and and with the same qualifier as always like that was um against teams that didn't necessarily want to win who weren't always playing their best players but this is the preseason against the indiana pacers so <laughs> emmanuel quickly and obi top and should be more than good enough to lead you to victory and where my frustration came in from iq it wasn't even the shooting which was which was terrible it was four for 18 it was more than anything else just the indecisiveness like i think one of his very first plays of this game he started pulling up from three from like 27 feet and but he did it slowly and and indiana was able to recover to get a good contest and then he's like oh shoot let me let me throw a jump pass which is which is a Derek rose signature like you, you could tell quickly he's gone to the 
Derrick Rose uh, school of point guarding, but there was just no one around to throw it to. So he basically just threw it off someone's back and Indiana got a turnover. And then he essentially did the same thing. Like I think on that Matherin dunk, he pulled up in mid-range and looked like he was ready to pass and had nowhere to go. And then Goga just swatted it because he's like, oh, you're, you're basically just throwing the ball into my hand. And I look quickly had like a couple nice moments in this game too. He hit like a, an absolutely monster, like 26 pull up, 26 footer pull up three to end the first. He had like a really slick dish to iHeart in the second, had like a nice drive, like where he like pump fake by his guy, little like swim move by a defender and then a floater. Um, and some of his misses came at the end of shot clocks, came at the end of half. So I, I know I'm trying to make a million defense, a million um, defenses of this guy. But but my big issue was the decision making was just slow. Cam Reddish for the third straight game had one exceptional moment. Like this game he had, it was a, a really like slick drive where he went behind his back, completely ditched O'Shea Brissett. Um, nice gather and then an over the shoulder finished on Goga. But outside of that, like he looked like he was playing like almost a different sport than everyone else, just like totally off kilter in terms of his pace, his shot, which went in one time from three, couldn't have looked much uglier, had like one or two nice moments um, defensively in this one. But man, oh man, by and large for a guy to your point who was so clearly pressing to make a case, finished three for 10, just another like exceptionally poor game from him. Um, but Alex, it's not to say the bench was all bad because I, I thought Obi Toppin and Isaiah Hartenstein both played really well in this game. Well, we could touch on that and and maybe end on some positives in just a second when we return to Locked on Knicks after our final break. But we'll just take one last break and then come right back in and start talking about a couple more positive things. All right, we're back to finish up our discussion of this Knicks loss Yes, the undefeated streak of 2022 to 23 is over. We must weep over this. Uh, the Knicks will not, in fact, go 86 and 0, including preseason. Uh, the dream is dead. There but, goes my uh, prize picks bet. Yeah, <laughs> bummer. And that 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 futures bet that we yeah. placed, uh, the 82 and 0 is gone. Man, yeah, I, I can it, tell you this: if I if I hit that bet, I don't think I'd be doing this podcast five times a week. I, I can't believe they gave me a million to one odds, it's, yeah. <laughs> or what plus a million. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to take it if you get those kind of odds. <laughs> I, I got John Cougar Mellencamp winning an Oscar. Nice little <laughs> nice little office uh, reference there. Anyway, uh, yeah. To your point, to end the last segment, like. I thought Obi and Hartenstein had some moments. I had my, I had, you know, I think down the stretch, I had some reservations about Hartenstein. You know, I, I definitely think there is, to me at least, a drop off in rebounding and rim protection when he's out there. But in other aspects, and, and I mean, I say the rebounding part, he did still notch 10 rebounds. So, I mean, it's not like he was a, a chump out there, you know, rebounding the ball. But I, I think it's more the offensive rebounding. I think I've just become really accustomed to, Mitch just gobbling everything up to where if the center isn't like wrecking everybody on the offensive glass, I'm like, what's wrong with you? But uh, I, I do think like the passing really popped for me with Hartenstein in this, you know, what he can do from the elbow and, you know, making passes from there. There was a really nice play with uh, Deuce that stood out to me where Deuce was out at like the elbow three fed it into Hartenstein and then Hartenstein like so quick just made a, a great decision as well as Deuce to make the cut. But 
Deuce made a cut and and Hartenstein, like it was nothing, just made a, a beautiful little backdoor cut pass for him to go up and get a layup. I mean, I think that's the sort of stuff that Hartenstein adds to this offense when he's in there. And I'd be really intrigued to see, like, maybe we'll get to see this in the last preseason game, but if he could be, like, the first sub some nights, I think that could be beneficial where, you know, especially if, if like, the, you know, the, the core offensive guys in RJ, Randall, and Brunson are struggling a little bit to start the game, if you could get Hartenstein out there early and then open up opportunities to get Brunson cuts to the hoop like that, to get RJ cuts to the hoop like that, maybe even to get Julius a cut to the hoop like that. I think that could be really beneficial for the offense if they need a little shot in the arm. Uh, but I also, you know, he had a, a really good chemistry with Toppin as well. The cameras didn't really catch it. And I don't think they ever flashed back to it on a replay because it happened so fast. They weren't expecting it to happen. But yeah. Somehow, some way, a Hartenstein, I mean, got the ball at around midcourt because the Knicks were just pressing it and managed to hit Obi with a alley-oop pass from, I think, out beyond the three-point line uh, at one point, too, with Obi streaking towards the hoop. So that's cool, too. I mean, I, I do – I really like that he always has his head up. Uh, he seems really adept at outlet passes as well, which is, I think, an underrated skill for for bigs. You know, something that Kevin Love really made like an art form over the years. I think that Hartenstein is also quite good at uh, just kind of keeping his head up off a rebound. And if, you know, he caught Obi for a this one they did catch on camera, he caught Obi for him streaking down the court on another one of those where Hartenstein was at like the opposing free throw line after a rebound and then just whipped it to Obi all the way down the court. And Obi got a nice easy two points uh, late in the game. That was when. The Knicks were still up by like seven or eight points. So, and actually, that that sort of capped a mini run where the Knicks sort of got that separation again before they ultimately lost it down the stretch. But uh, yeah, I, I really like what he brings on on offense and what he brings to the transition offense and also the half court stuff. It's just it, for all the good that Mitch does, it's it's nice to have a center that does something a little different out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I thought his, it may be, maybe his best pass on the night. He had another one to IQ where IQ wasn't even open. And it was like one of those, like it was a football game. You would say the quarterback threw him open. Like he, he just like put a bouncer between two different defenders. And then IQ like caught it and just like kind of casually flipped it in right hand, left side. Because he was like, wow, I can't believe how open this got me. I mean, to, I, I think that's a brilliant idea. I, I would like to see, I mean, especially with how Randall's passing the ball now, those two get at least a couple minutes a game together. I think that could be. Pretty interesting. The only case against it is Mitchell Robinson uh, playing like a man possessed. Another one of those games where the stats don't completely blow you away, and yet they're really, really good. 23 minutes, three for five from the field. Shout out to all the work he put in this offseason. Two for two from the foul line, eight points, eight boards, four blocks. I mean, he's just – he's looking like a force to me. And, and this is – last year we would we would make note when this was happening. Like, it, it, it took about – maybe 30 games into the season until he kind of got his sea legs and wasn't good enough shape to do this. But that stretch run where he like dominated Minnesota, then dominated the Pistons, but it kept coming against teams that were physically overmatched. And again, time will tell because miles, miles Turner, um, I almost said miles Teller, a uh, nice player. Um, but there, there will be better centers out there, but man, Mitch, like by and large has just physically kicked his butt. 
the last two games. Like, like whether it's coming in for recovery blocks or like we all saw like right before halftime that that offensive rebound he got on RJ's miss where he didn't really even have good position, but he just sort of tipped it and kept tipping it till he got to himself. Like he almost reminds me of, I mean, this is this is lofty ground, but like a Charles Barkley style rebounder or Dennis Rodman, or if he didn't get it initially, like he would just get a hand on the ball and then he would get a little closer and then he'd get a little closer and then eventually like he would get in those big mitts. The difference is Mitch is like four or five inches taller and just like prone to flush it on two or three people once he finally recovers the ball. I mean, the, the guy has just been a monster early this preseason. And it, it's so clear to me that he he's at a different level in terms of physical conditioning than he's been at at any point in his career while still maintaining some of that bulk he got last offseason. I, I just think that this, like if, if this can be maintained, the contract is going to be an absolute steal for him. Um, quick shout outs before we wrap up, uh, Obi Toppin, uh, definitely not as good as he was last game. Oh, for three from three. That was a big standout that, that footwork that was so clean last game on that wing three on the out of balance play they designed. It, he still has worked to get that down consistently because he got a similar type of shot at the top of the key and missed it, but did, did flash another one of those. I can't remember which team it was against last year. Might've been the Cavs, might've been the Pistons, might've been the magic, but he did this once last year where he kind of got on the run, little pump fake. And then, like, if, if you're on YouTube, you'll, you'll see me trying to replicate it. Like, little, like, ball fake where he just extended out with his right hand. Defenders, like, caught looking the other way. One more step, flushes it. Just crazy athleticism from Obi. And then um, saving the best for last, I guess. I mean, R.J. Barrett, we're, we're kind of burying the lead. But he was spectacular in this one. 21 points in 27 minutes. Four rebounds. Three assists. Um, an, an, another night for him. Well, I shouldn't say another night because last night it, it really was. But the shot wasn't super falling Alex, but just made the right play time after time. Like I, I like first play of the game, he got a layup, but he, he missed Evan Fournier wide open for three. And then quite literally like the next time down, he corrected it, like drove into the lane, spun into a double team and, and just got it right out to Evan Fournier for three. Um, had another play where he drew two defenders. Then he hit Randall for a wing three. Um, I think though, my favorite two plays on the night came with him attacking the basket. One was when he drove right into Miles Turner's body and had a double pump layup. And to me, that the, those plays are absolute necessities for him because I think a lot of times when he misses around the basket, it's because he's not really properly aligned. And by going into a defender's body, not only do you clear the defender out of the way, but it gives you time in the air to get oriented the right way. And it, it let him finish through contact, get an and one. And then he had another one where he was just working in isolation on TJ McConnell in the past. I think he would have either settled or thrown the ball up, but he just refused to give it up. And he just kind of bullied McConnell under the rim and, and finished with like an easy little fadeaway. And just, just more of that from him um, to me is really, really exciting where he's just playing bully ball and it's clear over the off season on top of just getting like better in terms of his touch. Like he hit another one of those really insane runners in this game. He's gotten quite a bit better in terms of just leveraging his strength around the rim, which is his greatest skill. And I think because of that, we're going to see his percentage around the rim go up this season. Yeah, uh, no notes for me on all that. I will just add one last little thing. It's in regards to Mitch's development. I think it's very telling that now at this point, Mitch is the, the guy that you can depend on as far as the foul situation. Like he's, he's now the guy that is not, you know, racking up fouls and is not, you know, having that be an issue. Hartenstein still, I mean, we noted this during the off season, his career 
uh, you know, fouls per 36 and all that stuff, but like five fouls in this game in 20 some odd minutes, you know, not, not fantastic. And uh, you know, that's, that's going to be probably the thing that caps his ceiling this year, as far as how often he can stay on the floor is how much he can contain his fouls. Mitch, no such issues anymore. So I, I want to just give him props on that. Like only two fouls, still managed to notch four blocks in this game. I was re-watching them uh, as we were talking there, and he had – I forgot just how unlucky a couple of his blocks were where he made the adjustment and got the block and then had the the blocked ball fall right – like he got a fingertip block on two yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, Fell right into someone else's hands who got a layup. Turner. Yeah. Yeah. Turner the one time, and I, I guess maybe it was Turner both times. Uh, and, was, and to be clear, that was because TJ McConnell was, was torching Jalen Brunson at points yes. in this game. Yeah, freaking TJ McConnell. I hate that guy. Anyway, <laughs> maybe a nice person, but I hate the basketball player. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think that's a good enough, though, to end on, though. Uh, so, you know, hey, a loss, but those are going to happen this year. Don't don't be a stranger to losing. <laughs> like, the Knicks yeah, are not re- that good. <laughs> real, real quick. Shout out to uh, – I, I just thought Evan Fournier played a great game. We forgot to mention yeah, yeah. him. I mean, outside of with Randall, but just, like, super unselfish. Like, was, was like, made so many – good extra passes in the second quarter. Not that that's something that I, I think Quentin Grimes kind of brings that same element, but if you want a case for Evan Fournier, like I thought he gave the offense like really good flow and rhythm when they needed just by making the extra pass. Yeah. And should reiterate again too. I mean, his two man game with, with Julius early and often looked really good and, you know, he didn't shoot the best overall three and nine, but two of five from three. And, you know, again, was passing the ball pretty well, got three assists, which is, which is on the, medium end for him i mean he definitely has the ability to find open guys but he was he was making quick decisions as well which is gonna hopefully be a a staple of the starting lineup it seems like brunson has had a really good influence on how this offense is being run i'm sure it's also things on the board which we haven't brought up (laughs) in a couple days but the you know the board the big board at the practice facility that has all the goals of the season on it uh, they've definitely been sticking to them as far as playing with pace and not letting the ball stick and all this good stuff. So yeah, you we'll take away the positive for the, for the first episode, just in monk robes that say the board, the board. <laughs> we'll start a new, uh, a new religion, the board. The board. Boardism. <laughs> anyway, this has been locked on Knicks. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back uh, with another uh, episode uh, to recap another game coming soon. So keep your ears out for that. Uh, But until next time, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you all soon. Peace out.